Life is good. And I remind this again, as I've had to a few times, including reminding myself, these are the good old days. When we look back, we're smack dab in those good old days. So we'll look back admiringly, affectionately, but let's remember to live them each day. It's now. This is not the dress rehearsal. This is life. And it's a good time in Detroit in many, many ways. You heard the mayor yesterday telling us about the real estate and tripling your money or values for Detroit real estate. That's a big deal. There are many other things. And, of course, tonight the governor is going to talk about a lot of positive things in Michigan. Why do we go through this every time there is a State of the State address or any big address like that? I've been to the State of the Union address uh, in with Congress and the president in Washington. I've been at the State of the State address in Lansing in with the governor. And they are supposed to do a positive rah-rah story. We already went through, God bless Jimmy Carter, who's I, astonishingly, uh, he was the one who said, oh, things are bad and we're going to have to not expect very much. And, and that just didn't go over well because that's not America. No matter how bad things seem to get, we still are filled with all kinds of positive energy and belief, or we just cease existing as a nation. And yes, we're at some real bad lows because of some really bad lack of leadership in Washington, D.C. But we are still America. And life, generally speaking, still is good. And it goes for Michigan, for the city, for any city that you might live in, and for this great country, these are the good old days. It's a little easier to see when you start talking about our lions. Let's face it. We haven't experienced anything like this in decades. Some people have never experienced it. And yeah, we... We remember those who are not able to experience it with us now, like we hoped they could, but the joy is still there. And if you have faith, you believe that they are enjoying this experience, just not with us in person at the time. But I, I salute uh, Ann and, and Mark and all the people behind the scenes that put that wonderful promo together that captures the heart and soul of the city. But at the same time, I want you to know it captures the heart and soul of this very radio station and the people who come to you every day trying to present to you our best foot forward and the best opportunity for all of us to understand what's going on around us. And there are many things that are not good, but there are more things that are good. 
Sometimes we just need a reminder. That's all. So don't expect the governor tonight to wring her hands and say, woe is me, woe is us. That's not what happens in a state-of-estate address. It is a rah-rah speech. When anyone's tried for it not to be a positive look at where we are, whether as a city, a state, or a nation, it doesn't work. Remember, again, Jimmy Carter. But all that aside, uh, we will look forward to speaking with the governor. We'll have J.R. Morning in Lansing. Uh, Today, Chris Renwick will be in Lansing. Marie Osborne will be all over the governor's state of the state. We'll be up there tomorrow. So we got a lot going on. WJR, not only all over the Lions, which you would expect and hope, but all over what's happening in our great state of Michigan. All right, I got a couple of questions. Dave Rieger here, producer. Danielle Mason pressing all the right uh, buttons and having her pipes unfrozen and the water flowing. <laughs> I'm glad about that, Danielle. Me too. I was ready to do whatever I could do to help, and I don't know what the heck I could do to help, but I would have done anything. But it, the water's flowing. Thank you. I'm so glad. And Rich Luzinski, our WJR Traffic and Weather First, all uh, working hard for you every day, as are a lot of people behind the scenes at WJR that make it possible for all of us to do our jobs. Anyway, that aside, here's my confusion. Did Donald Trump win handily or not in new hampshire rieger it's a great question from the from the headlines it seems like he he did at least from what i saw and yet i heard other people say oh boy he didn't win like we thought he would as big as we thought he would and yet explain this to me i printed it i print too much i know but i printed this so i wouldn't forget to mention it I get contacted by the New York Times as I get contacted by all various news sources. New York Times breaking news came to me. Donald Trump easily defeated Nikki Haley, casting doubt on her continued viability in the GOP presidential race. And the story starts, the former president's victory again underscores his durable hold on Republican primary voters and raises questions about Ms. Haley's path forward. Do you know they sent that out at 8.06 last night? Really? The polls had closed six minutes earlier. What is the New York Times trying to do with that headline? It apparently indicates that they're more fearful of Nikki Haley than I would have guessed because they've got her done at 8.06 last night. Not according to her. She's not done. Nope. Not according to her and not according to the results and the numbers that she received. So I had to, I grabbed that and I said, I'll, I'll ask Rieger, what were they trying to accomplish 
with that kind of a leading headline six minutes after the polls closed. It's, it's just incredible. I mean, yeah. the New York Times is very obvious, but they're usually not this stupid. <laughs> this is just stupid. <laughs> obvious and stupid. At 8.06, calling for a defeated Nikki Haley, casting doubt on her continued viability, basically saying she's going to drop out. She's going to have to drop out. Isn't that something? I found that fascinating. I'm glad I remembered to find it in my stack of stuff. We got a lot of stuff going on here. A lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about. Did you get a hold of Mike? Uh, He's not responded back to me yet. All right. Well, I've got some other numbers, too. We thought it'd be kind of fun to speak to Mike O'Hara. I mean, the guy who's been covering the Lions. Yeah, he might be busy with, uh, you know, he might, they might be at Allen Park doing, you know, coordinators or something like that. So Yeah, he's he never's going to stop working, that's for sure. But we've got lots to talk about, including with David Sowerby, Managing Director, Portfolio Manager of Ancora, as we've been having seemingly incredibly record highs in the stock market. None of this seems to make any sense with the much of the gloom and doom we keep talking about regarding the markets. There's no gloom or doom there, not in the facts and figures and numbers. What does it all mean? No one better than David Sowerby to give us his take on that, and he'll do that up next. It's Focus with Paul W. Smith on WJR on this Wednesday, January 24th. And by the way, uh, Mr. Promo Maker, we'll be there too. Yeah. So uh, we're looking forward to being there in Lansing and uh, and uh, earning our keep, I hope, uh, following the governor's state of the state. We have the governor joining us, in fact, for the uh, state of the state. So, uh, yes, indeed, uh, we do have you covered on that on WJR. All right, David Sowerby always helps us, and we appreciate it. He's the managing director, portfolio manager of Ancora, and it's been uh, it's been pretty rarefied air, record-breaking air in the stock market. We're going to find out uh, some ins and outs of all of that, David. Uh, always a pleasure. Good afternoon to you. Right back at you, Paul. Always a, always good to speak with you. Wait, how come so many people feel? Uh, uncomfortable or concerned about the stock market and the world, and yet it it just seems to ignore all that and keep making record highs. I, I think it comes down to companies' ability to make profits, generate cash flow, create shareholder value, even in the face of what we might call some misguided or questionable Washington fiscal policy that companies can find a way to fight through it. Corporate profits probably up 10% this year. And that's what the stock market is focusing on, even though we're spending probably too much and we're regulating too much. Well, that aside, uh, since we seem to be tied into the world, uh, how's Japan doing, for example? Good. Uh, Up nearly 10% last time I looked at it in Japan. Most other countries, Europe, China, really not uh, creating shareholder value. And frankly, outside the U.S. for the last 30 years, the U.S. has been the place to have your money. It's, it's compounded to the U.S. stock investor 
nearly five percentage points annualized per year since 1987. Having diverse U.S. companies has been the ticket versus trying to figure out Japan, China, Europe, South America. You get enough diversification with the U.S. and the, and the story is so compelling with the, with the much better return to the shareholder. I know you don't have the crystal ball. I always thought you did. I hoped you would, but nobody has the crystal ball. Nobody has any idea. Go ahead, please. Uh, Nobody has any idea where the market's going to go or end up. But I can't help but think, and don't follow me because I've made plenty of mistakes in the stock market, but I can't help but think when when you're at an all-time high, it might not be a bad time to take some chips off the table and put them somewhere where they can be safe. If, if you need your money in the very near term, college tuition, your daughter's getting married, pick, pick, the, pick the liquidity event. Then maybe you do some rebalancing and take some money off the sidelines. But go, go figure. The, the market for the last two years, because of 2022 was so tough, 2023 was certainly better, is not materially higher than it was in January of 2022. So while you're making some new highs here, uh, you, you still have the last two years where, where stocks have generally treaded water. So if, I, if I've got a horizon of three years, which is respectable, I think the U.S. stock market can, can compound eight percentage points or better to, to the U.S. investor, and that's certainly better than cash, putting your money on the sidelines too much money on the sidelines. All right. Um, I'll turn to USA Today, the money section headline today. Downside to the inflation drop? Question mark. Falling profits could mean layoffs. Then it goes on from a Paul Davidson of USA Today. Could the big inflation slowdown, which we would have thought was a good thing, could it trigger a surge in layoffs and recession this year? On its face, the idea may sound laughable, easing, Though still high, inflation has been a relief to consumers. It has spurred Federal Reserve officials to signal they're probably done hiking interest rates and tentatively expect to cut them three times in 2024. That has propelled the stock market to new highs. But some economists reckon the drop-off in price increases combined with softening consumer demand will narrow corporate profit margins, and that could prompt more companies to lay off workers and spark a mild downturn. Why does it seem to me that wherever we turn, there are plenty of people willing to take whatever good or positive news is out there and find the dark lining? They do, and it goes to the adage and the axiom for investors, the stock market climbs the wall of worry, that there always will be some uh, cross-currents, negative news that causes people to pause, However, to the extent we're living in a now 3% inflation world, not an 8% inflation world the way we were 18 months ago, that that is all in much better for the market because it leads to lower interest rates, lower borrowing costs for households, certainly lower borrowing costs for for, for companies. Mortgage rates have been coming back down again slowly. Low inflation, low interest rates, good for the stock market. The state of the state's coming up here pretty quick. Very good for the state of Michigan. Anything you especially would like to hear the governor say today that would be helpful from a financial standpoint for everybody or for the markets, for local, for Michigan stocks? 
Well, I'll give you a little side story. It was probably 15 years ago. I didn't know it was coming. I was watching Jennifer Granholm in a state of the state. And lo and behold, she quoted me. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's pretty good. Uh, never had that done before or after. So to, to Governor Whitmer, Michigan's competitiveness per the tax foundation is number 11 in the country. That's the best we've seen in many years. Keep it that way. Low, flat, personal income tax is important, but keep Michigan competitive from a cost of business and good things will happen. Let's repeat that so that she will maybe mention you today. Be great if she'd mentioned she heard it on the Paul W. Smith show on WJR, but I've stopped holding my breath. Uh, Number 11 in the country, and what was that, uh, the category you just gave? Annual Tax Foundation Index of State Competitiveness. The last I looked, last fall, Michigan was ranked number 11, so we're closing in on the top 10, like a state like Indiana. So keep it there, and, and in particular, that flat personal income tax is one of Michigan's best features. And you heard it here first from David Sowerby, Managing Director, Portfolio Manager of Ancora. Thank you, David. My pleasure, Paul. To better we'll, stock returns going forward. Yep, and we'll we'll see you soon. Appreciate your help. As always, he's always been helpful here on the Paul W. Smith Focus Show at WJR. Glad we're together. On this very important day and night, starting this afternoon with Chris Renwick getting ready for the governor's state of the state and the coverage through tonight and tomorrow as well. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. You expect it from WJR and you will get it. The CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs, John Selleck, is here to give us some, some of his views, learned views, and maybe what to take away from what happened in New Hampshire as uh, former President Donald Trump wins again. Uh, Nikki Haley vows to stay in. And I'm I'm interested, John, in hearing what you have to say, your reaction. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome back to the program. Hey, thank you for having me. And I like the way that you describe my opinion, learned opinions. I'm not sure everyone else would say that. So I'm going with <laughs> well, your description. It depends on if they agree with you or disagree with you. That's how that yeah, works. That's the truth. You, would, you and being on the radio show host for as long as you had, you would know that better than anyone, right? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you what happened last night, because I'm getting so many different, you know, it all depends on who you're listening to, which is why I was looking forward to listening to you. You know, we had all these people saying how he was going to uh, kill her. He was going to run ramshot over her and she was going to be, you know, she's going to have to say, I got to leave. Uh, and then I had people say, wow, he didn't beat her as badly as we thought he was going to. I mean, I don't, I don't quite know how to take all this. Yeah, and that's understandable because there are a lot of different ways you can cut it. And frankly, by like traditional standards, uh, getting 55% and beating your opponent by 11 points is quite a win. I mean, that's basically the size of victory that uh, Gretchen Whitmer had over Tudor Dixon in the 2022 governor's race. That's a big win to get 54, 55%. Right. In this case, in this presidential level stuff, we're talking with about um, expectations uh, that are rising and falling day in and day out. And everybody had said for a long time that, oh, just wait till we get to New Hampshire. That's where Nikki Haley is going to shine. And in, in, in effect, she did. She got 44% of the vote 
that means there's a big chunk of the vote in, in, a, in an open primary like this one, which includes independents and probably some Democrats, uh, that Trump couldn't just run away with it. And I think that the Trump team's goal, their expectation they set, was to wipe the floor with her, to, to knock her out of the game now. They don't want to wait a month until they get to South Carolina. But you saw a cavalcade of people who worked with Nikki Haley, who were endorsed to, or in, uh, appointed to the U.S. Senate by Nikki Haley, like Senator Tim Scott, who all trudged up to cold freezing New Hampshire to endorse Donald Trump. They were really trying to put the kill on, and it didn't quite work. And we go to that expectations game. Under a normal election standard, this is a pretty solid victory. Under a Donald Trump, I'm going to run away with this and be president again. It didn't turn out to be the runaway they thought. It turned out to actually be about half the size of even what the polling numbers were showing over the last few days. So right. it's a mixed result, and it's not the one Donald Trump won. And I think that's what we saw in his, the tone of his remarks after the, uh, the win last night. Well, and, and I need your professional thought on this. So, I, you know, I get all the stuff sent to me, all the news and information, and I mm-hmm. pay attention to as much of it as I can. And here's the headline from the New York Times. Donald Trump easily defeated Nikki Haley, casting doubt on her continued viability in the GOP presidential race. The story starts, the former president's victory again underscores his durable hold on Republican primary voters and raises questions about Ms. Haley's path forward. Interesting and would have been uh, applicable, I guess, this morning as a quote. But this quote and this headline came to me last night at 8.06 p.m. So what's it's almost this? like it was already written. Well, yes. Well, what what was going on there? Well, at 8.06, six minutes after the final places closed and people were still in line to vote, what were they trying to manipulate by this headline and this story? Well, that, I talked earlier about uh, traditional expectations, and for Donald Trump, uh, winning this thing was going to happen. So I bet a lot of stories were almost put to bed. They just waited to plug the numbers in. The only surprise, per se, was that the polling showed as Ron DeSantis dropped out and Ramaswamy dropped out that all these votes would be shifting to Trump and he would run away with it. And to the Trump campaign's credit, they were putting on a pretty aggressive attack campaign against Nikki Haley, that she was essentially this liberal Trojan horse, that she had to do- rely on the, um, the votes of a lot of Democrats in this open primary to try to win, which is all true. Um, but the, the bottom line going forward is, will we see another state? that is is open and allowing non-Republicans to vote in their primary. And will we see as many college-educated, moderate GOP or former GOP voters who are willing to jump into a primary going forward, we may not see that again. And I think that's why the RNC chair, you know, Michigan's own Ronna Romney McDaniel, came out last night and said, hey, I need to unify the party. I'm looking forward to the other primaries to come. They don't look as easy for Nikki Haley to even score 45% or 44%. The um, the audiences are going to become a lot more conservative. And the, the entrance polling and exit polling from last night showed that Donald Trump cleaned house with self-identified Republicans, 74% to 25%. And Nikki Haley cleaned up everywhere else with independents and, and moderates. Are we going to see another primary that will have this many independents and moderates and even Democrats joining in? Probably not. So it's going to be a tough road. Uh, the unknowns are, one, South Carolina is coming up in a month, and that is Nikki Haley's home state. 
poll numbers don't look good for her, but can she make a final stand there having been governor back-to-back uh, -back and served in the legislature? That's a possibility. And I have a feeling as long as the donors are willing to front the money, Nikki Haley will wait as long as she can to see what happens in these trials to see if Donald Trump is convicted of any crimes and what effect that may or may not have so, uh, on I, his support. Before I let you go, John Selleck, CEO, Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. It, it, how much did Nikki Haley benefit from New Hampshire Democrats crossing over to uh, to throw off Trump by voting for her? There's little doubt that she got support from Democrats who crossed over. The independents are usually a mixed bag of, you know, people that don't want to identify themselves, but there's a lot more moderate, higher education, higher college education attainment levels in New Hampshire than a lot of states that are about to come. All right. And boy, how embarrassing would it be if she did really poorly in South Carolina where she was governor? That's just. Hey, that's makes that's, you wonder how bad you really want to be president, right? I, to go to your home guess, state, especially get wiped out. I guess it does. Uh, well, it takes a certain kind of person to run for president of the United States anymore. Isn't that the truth? It certainly does. Thank you, John. Appreciate your work always. Thank you, Paul W. Talk to you later. John Selleck, CEO of Harbor Strategic Public Affairs. We get it all here for you on the Paul W. Smith Focus Show at WJR. All right, here's the uh, rundown, just so you have a program and understand what we've got planned for you with the Governor's State of the State uh, address. Chris Renwick will broadcast from Lansing today from 2 till 4. Then Marie Osborne will anchor coverage of the speech tonight. After the speech, we'll carry the GOP response. Then Marie and Guy Gordon will provide a wrap-up of the speech. Then tomorrow, J.R. Mornings and Focus with Paul W. Smith will be broadcasting live from Lansing to recap the state of the state. And, yes, we will welcome the governor to our program. We welcome now Nolan Findlay editorial page editor of the Detroit News, and uh, fair to say that he's been very open in his disdain for former President Donald Trump or what he has become and uh, and his support of Nikki Haley. And how do you feel the day after? Yeah, I feel good, Paul. I think she should. Uh, you know, I know it's being spun as a, uh, you know, the end of her campaign and that it's an affirmation that Republicans are going to ride Donald Trump uh, into, uh, you know, the swamp, if you will. But, uh, uh, you know, Haley outperformed last night, uh, 40, 44, 45% of the vote. Not bad in her first head-to-head -head matchup with Donald Trump. And I think uh, she should give herself time. I think Republican voters should give her some time because what you saw last night is, you know, the never-Trump Republicans and the and some independents and Democrats coming together uh, to to give her a pretty pretty solid show. If she could build on that and take that now to other states, um, I think she has a chance here. I'd hate to see her drop out when we have no idea uh, what's going to happen to Donald Trump with all his various legal problems. And it doesn't appear, I mean, we can only go by what we hear and see, doesn't appear she's anywhere close to dropping out right now. No, I hope not. But I wouldn't have thought Ron DeSantis was ready to chuck it in either. That's it took me a bit by surprise. He sure did. And then it's been it's been kind of hilarious to watch all the people kissing up to uh, former President Trump, trying to be his uh, somewhere in his administration. It's it's almost. Oh man! It, it's actually it is it's sad and laughable. It's more the former than the latter, I think. Uh, I mean, these people who 
you know, had come out and told the truth about who Donald Trump is and what he is, now, as you said, like kneeling down to uh, swear their loyalty oath, the kisses ring and slither away uh, while he sits there and gloats. Uh, you know, I, I heard somebody over the la- or a lot of people the last few days they adopted the the Trump folks have adopted this line that Nikki Haley is old guard Republican. And, you know, my response to that is the old guard Republicans used to win elections. These new guard Republicans um, don't win elections. They just uh, uh, come home and whine about Democrats when they win. Well, you, and that's you what's going to happen this time. No They'll elect a whole lot of Democrats. And Nolan Finley, editorial page editor, Detroit News, as you point out in your most recent column, quote, Republicans have badly underperformed in every election cycle since President Donald Trump's election in 2016. Yeah, he's poisoned for the rest of the party. Um, of course, he didn't do so well himself either in 2020. I and mean, he lost that election, took down a lot of Republicans with him. Uh, in in uh, 2022, Republicans were, I mean, they were... Uh, measuring their offices in the Capitol, thinking they were just going to swarm into majorities in both the House and and the Senate. And they barely got the majority in the House. It should have been a landslide for them. And they didn't get it in the Senate, which is, you know, why we still are suffering under uh, the misery of this Democratic rule we have in Washington. Uh, this Joe Biden belongs to uh, Trump Republicans, the Chuck Schumer belongs to uh, Trump Republicans, uh, and the the uh, Democratic legislature in Michigan belongs to the Trump Republicans. They should own this. A uh, quick one here before we run out of time, because you're an editor of a big newspaper. Here's uh, the New York Times. I get this uh, breaking news. Donald Trump easily defeated Nikki Haley, casting doubt on her continued viability in the GOP presidential race. That mm. is the headline. It goes on to say the former president's victory again underscores his durable hold on Republican primary voters, raises questions about Ms. Haley's path forward. That's that may not seem unusual, frankly, but I got to tell you, Nolan, I got that at 806 last night. Yeah. And here's what's going on, Paul. The Democrats and the left want nothing more than Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee. Uh, That was true in 2016 when they funneled money into uh, his campaign, they want him to be on that ballot because they don't think they can beat anybody else. So this was the wishful uh, thinking of that uh, pushed headline that came out clearly too early. But I appreciate your explanation. Thank you very much. As always, it's going to be fun to watch, Nolan. Thank you, sir. Always is. Thanks, Paul. Nolan Finley, Detroit News, here in Focus with Paul W. Smith. Well, here's the, uh, the, the conundrum we have. I'm on the phone with the one and only the great Mike O'Hara, getting him lined up to have us at, to, one, uh, to be on with us at 133, and he's got to be on, the, on his way because he's got a lot going on with the line. So I'm, I'm telling Mike this as I'm saying it on the air. Mike, uh, I'm going to give uh, Dave this uh, phone number. He's going to call you, and we'll get it hooked up. So I hope that'll work for you. Uh, thank you, Mike O'Hara. We're looking forward to catching up with you. And, Dave, don't forget to uh, get the number that I you weren't able to reach him, but I got him right away. So this is, maybe it's a different number. I don't know. But uh, let's get that handled. Meanwhile, here we go. Our number two, 
on a winter wonderland, although there's uh, the great thaw of 24 is uh, underway, which causes fog, which uh, can cause uh, problems. So uh, be aware of the snow or ice fog that we are going to be uh, having while you're driving uh, later today. Also, the uh, the lineup, just so you know, you need a little program to cover this because we're covering the state of the state address with the governor better than anyone, and that includes our state of the state coverage at uh, 2 to 4. From 2 to 4 this afternoon, the one and only uh, JR Afternoon with Chris Renwick. Again, 2 to 4 from Lansing this afternoon. Then Marie Osborne will anchor coverage of the speech tonight, which we will carry live, of course, on WJR. Now, uh, uh, is it 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock for the uh, speech tonight, Mr. Rieger? There's no time on here. Is it 7 or 8? 7, 7 o'clock. It is 7. Okay, all right. I thought I'd heard 7. So 7 o'clock, Marie Osborne anchoring coverage of the speech live tonight with Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And after the speech, WJR will carry the GOP response. I'm not big on these responses. When when there's a Democrat governor or when there's a Republican governor, I'm not big on the response. Uh, because the, the as is the State of the Union address for the country, that's uh, mandated. But the response is not mandated. That's been created for television and radio, so whatever. But we're going to carry it because that's fair because there is a response, and we will have it. Then Marie and Guy Gordon will provide a wrap-up of the speech after the governor's speech and the GOP response. And then tomorrow morning, you wake up with JR Mornings, and you'll get the very latest, including whatever, I I don't want to use the term fallout, whatever reaction there is, there'll be more time for that to uh, come out. And uh, certainly by the time Focus is here from noon to 2 tomorrow, Focus, uh, with yours truly, also broadcasting live, like JR Mornings, and Focus, both live from Lansing tomorrow to, again, continue the recap of the state of the state. Did I cover all that correctly? Yes, you did. did. All right. Did you try your other number again for Mike O'Hara while we were while I was talking just now to see if you could get through to him? Um, I have. Uh, I'll try calling him. I have two. Um, I have right. two different. Yeah, I mean, I obviously here. can't give you the number it's on okay. the air here, but I will. I, uh, I, I, the number I called, I got him right away. Okay. So uh, I, I'll no share problem. that with you after after this little conversation. Uh, I'll try so, right now. All right. Well, also be available for our little conversation. All right. So. Uh, we watched what happened uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, it's a little confusing. It depends on who you're listening to as to how well Nikki Haley did or did not do. I'm under the impression, uh, trying to just stand in the middle here, that she did better than was expected. That's what I'm going to say. It doesn't mean a lot. I mean, it, it, there's, there's, no, there's no question that the leader is former President uh, Donald Trump. I mean, it, that goes without saying, just period. All right, a couple of other things. Oh, oh, I'm, I was so sorry to see this. I mean, it's happening. It's happening, sadly, more and more uh, in life as you get older, which is why I always say make each and every day count each day as a gift. Also, as Kim introduced me to the concept, none of us know how much QTR we have left, quality time remaining, which is why I have to remind myself that this is life. This is it. I waited a little long to figure that out. I've been in a dress rehearsal for years. 
There ain't no dress rehearsal, friends. This is it. Which is also why I, sometimes I get emotional, uh, and uh, I make no apologies for that. That's just the way I am. I've always been that way. And Heck, if Dan Campbell can get emotional, I mean, he's a man's man's man, for goodness sakes, and uh, then the rest of us can get emotional, too. Uh, but the point is, these are the good old days. We're living the good old days right now. So when we look back and when our children tell their children or whatever and that they lived them and they were a part of them, let's not forget to live them now while we're in the midst of the good old days rather than waxing poetically and looking back and saying, gee, who, whoever knew those would be the good old days? Well, we do. We, we, I'm telling you, these are the good old days. Gee, I feel like a, is that a Carly Simon song or something? I don't know. Danielle, do you even know who Carly Simon is? I do. Oh, thank God. Okay. All right. So anyway, these are the good old days. I I was sorry to see, this is where I was going and got waylaid by myself, um, that a, a great, seemingly great CBS newsman, Charles Osgood, has passed away at the age of 91. He uh, joined CBS News in 1971. We, we used to be a CBS station a long time ago. We had him on the air. For 22 years, he hosted CBS Sunday Morning. And I have to tell you that uh, I am honored to be in the same National Radio Hall of Fame that Charles Osgood was honored to be in. And I'm telling you to this day, that CBS Sunday Morning, now hosted by Jane Pauley, is truly one of the greatest shows on television. I fear you might miss it, but you shouldn't. It's on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, CBS Sunday Morning. It continues to be a great television show, and uh, and now with Jane Pauley doing a great job hosting it. So who was it? It was Charles Osgood, and who was it? It was Charlie, uh, I can't remember the name before him, but Charles Osgood and who else? Anyway, um, so that I was sorry to see. But again, uh, remembering that uh, nobody knows how much uh, QTR you have left. And if you pay attention to the people keeping the doomsday clock, should we even have a doomsday clock? The experts who maintain the ominous doomsday clock said yesterday that humanity is still (laughs) as close as ever to global catastrophe. This is from USA Today and Doyle Rice. We're as close as ever to global catastrophe, which could involve nuclear war, climate change, or maybe even artificial intelligence takeovers. I don't know. What do you want to do for dinner tonight? I don't know. What are you thinking about? The time on the symbolic doomsday clock is the same as last year when the doomsday clock was first set at 90 seconds to midnight, the closest to midnight the clock has ever been. The doomsday clock said to be a metaphor for how close humanity is to self, <laughs> self-annihilation. This is according to the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientist, which has maintained the clock since 1947. We've been in a doomsday situation since 1947. 
The group was founded in 1945 by University of Chicago scientists who had helped develop the first nuclear weapons in the Manhattan Project. Ay, 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 ay. No wonder it's so difficult, I have to remind us, that these are the good old days. We've been lamenting our doomsday since 1945. <sighs> okay. Let's carry on, shall we? On this Wednesday, middle of the week edition, the Paul W. Smith Focus Show, January 24th, WJR. Well, here's a guy who uh, we're just thrilled to be able to talk with. I, I, I think the... I think the last time I talked with Mike O'Hara was to wish him a happy birthday, and it might be time again for... When's your birthday, Mike? Uh, December 7th. Okay, so it was... That, that's the last time I spoke with you was on your birthday, December 7th. So uh, uh, everybody now knows your birthday. Next year, they'll call you on December 7th. <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll know it's Pearl Harbor Day. We'll that's it. right. It, it's hard to, hard to miss that one as, uh, as being on the same day. So Mike O'Hara has been covering the Lions for as long as I can remember. He started working for the Detroit News uh, and did that uh, beautifully since 1966 and became, I think you became the team's primary beat writer, what, in 77 or so? Yeah, 1977. Yeah, I started at the News in 1966 as a copy boy and became a sports writer the next year. And then, like you said, 1977, I... I started covering the Lions. That was that was the beat I had at the Detroit News for a long time, through 2008 when I took a buyout and took some time off of work, you know, just to live, basically. And then and, you got tired of living, and you went back to it. Well, I like to write, you know, and I like to, you know, I worked for Fox Sports and Fox Sports Detroit for, I think, two or three years, maybe a little bit longer, and then came over here to the Detroit Lions when they were, you know, when they were expanding their website. And they had already hired Tim Twentyman of the Detroit News, who does a great job. He really is. He's the most most prolific writer I've ever been around in my life. And not just do a lot of work, but quality work. And then I came in, in 2012 and joined him, and, and here I am. Well, and you helped us at WJR over the years, forever. Oh, yeah. From the, yeah. From the, oh, from yeah. the beginning of Sports Wrap to the, to, to the time I started doing the morning show, 28 years, 29 years, I don't know, 29 years ago. You've always been a part of it and important. And uh, don't take just take it from me. Take it from the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame, uh, Mike O'Hara uh, in the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame, and so many uh, other accolades that you've uh, that you've earned. Now, all that aside, I just want to get your feelings, your heartfelt feelings, on these Detroit Lions, the weight that all of Detroit has had, and uh, and just a reminder that. Michael, we're in the middle of what we will one day look back on as the good old days. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I had a, you know, without going into the whole history of the Detroit Lions and all that, I think you've heard enough of that, of a, you know, the same old Lions tag and, and different things like that. But I think really when you look at that last season, the end of last season, when, you know, they went 8-2 and two in their last 10 games to finish 9-8, and eight, but in the last game of the season, uh, you know, they, they went to, to – uh, Green Bay it was, and they beat the Green, Green Bay Packers in the last game of the season on Monday Night Football to knock them out of the playoffs. And, you know, that, that gave the Lions a winning record. They were 9-8. and eight. But you just had a feeling and, and a sense, and actually even more than that, just the way that team had played in the last, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, nine weeks of the season, that they had something good brewing. And, and, and that certainly turned out to be true. In fact, 
and they added to it. They just they added they put on, they added so many good players, so many good young players that what we're watching with this team right now, Paul, is a t- team with a chance to be not just a one-hit wonder, but a team that's going to be good for for quite a few years. So for you, are you a bit astonished how many of the of the curses, myths, uh, <laughs> various baggage? could be dispelled in just three years from this coach and this team, the, from the general manager to, to Coach Dan Campbell to Sheila Ford-Hamp to, to everybody involved. I, I can't go through the whole list every time, but was it stunning to you? Oh, well, I don't know about stunning because, in your, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, like Tim and I were here every day, so it's not, you're not just watching some come from nowhere at all. Sort of like we're not in on the building process or anything like that. I don't want to make my role seem more than it is, but you know we're around here, and so you know you get a, a you know a glimpse of what's what's going on. I would think that's just my opinion. And uh, am I surprised? Not really. Uh, I matter of fact, I do this every year. I make my predictions for the season uh, in in September before the season before the first regular season game. Then I look back at the end of the year to see what I picked and how I shaped up. And last year I had the Lions finish at nine and eight. Now I, I thought I was going to be wrong. I'd be honest with you, but that's exactly the way they finished. And that was this, really to me you could see that it, this was becoming a pretty good football team with you know good young players at a lot of positions and a good quarterback in Jared Goff who could lead this group and get, you know, lead them into some things that were were pretty good. And we've seen this right before our eyes with them winning. You know, the NFC North title, first time they won a division title since 1993, and they won a home playoff game, and, and won, now they've won two playoff games, and looking for number three, heading off to San Francisco Sunday for a chance to go to the Pro Bowl. And I'm sorry, not the Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl. Just right. think about that. Yeah. Detroit Lions on the way, possibly, maybe probably, to the Super Bowl. And... I, I I still want to identify. I, I understand in September you you write down your predictions and all of that. But when did you feel or know in your gut, your heart, your soul, Mike O'Hara, that, that well, I, I guess I'm getting, my soul. Are we talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, your soul. That yeah, I know you have one. Uh, that you knew that these lions were more than just the real deal. That this was this was really happening. Well, we go back to last season. We got to be you know, honest about this. I kind of wondered about my uh, my pick and I, my projection, I should say, and I kind of wondered a little bit about the direction of the, of the franchise when they started out one and six. I mean, look, they were you know three thirteen and one to start in, in, in the first year under Dan uh, Dan Campbell as the head coach, and then looked like it was going to be worse. You know, had a great chance it was going to be worse. They were one and six, but. A little thing that I, a lot of us might have forgotten, and really I haven't really dwelled on it, but during that span when they were one and six, right towards the end of it, Sheila, Sheila Ford-Hamp came out and talked to the media and said that she still had faith in that group of, you know, Brad Holmes and you know the leadership of that of that team. She thought they still had a chance to be good, and she wasn't, you know, obviously she wasn't the record that she wanted one and six, but she thought that they would do better and she could see improvement. And they took off, took off like a rocket. I think it was really, for whatever reason, it was really a sharp thing, you know, that, that Sheila Hamp did. First of all, it connected her with the fans, but it, 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 and it also connected her with the media covering the team. And so I thought, 
as I thought back then, I thought to myself, well, this is a little bit of a risk or a lot of a risk, but as it moved on through the season, the end of the season, and you end up with a winning record and really playing good football, I thought that was really a cool thing to do. Yeah. I got a, a piece. I, I, I won't be able to play it here, but I'm going to get it to Rieger, and he's going to promise me that he'll get it set for air. But I just saw it, I think, again last night on Instagram, a video. They were wise to videotape the f- moment that Coach Dan Campbell was being hired and walking out onto Ford Field with Rod mm-hmm. Wood and Sheila Ford Hap, and how emotional he was to be there, to smell it, to feel it, having played there, and to realize three years ago that he was going to be the leader of the team, the coach. It is, uh, it's worth seeing, but it's even worth just hearing. Do you know that, that bit of video that I'm talking about? Have you seen that yeah. lately? I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it, and I'm not and I'm not surprised either. You know that that Dan Campbell would have that feeling. You know, he I, I was still covering the Detroit Lions when he was when when he I think I don't know if he got traded or was signed as a free agent in nineteen or I'm sorry in two thousand and two thousand and six I believe it was, and he was here for three years, but he was hurt a lot. But you could tell one thing about him: he was very intense, he was really tough, and he really played he he played football all out. Every, like every play was his last play. Unfortunately, and well, fortunately, in one regard, the 2008 season when they went 0 and 16, he got injured on opening day, and that finished him for the season. Went home to Texas. Yeah, of course, we'll never forget that season because I was wrong 16 games in a row. Yep, you recall. As I, I recall, to, I used to talk to you every week. <laughs> Well, Paul, remember Excuse we used me. to talk every morning around 6.30? And... <laughs> yeah, yes, we did. And, what uh, happened to you? How come you're getting up so late? Uh, just loving getting some sleep and living. And I'm glad you and I are alive for this. Everything that's happened so far, uh, no one can ever take that away from us. And we can hope and pray, and we are, for two more victories. Mike O'Hara, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you much. Okay, Paul, thanks for talking. It's really good. We continue and checking in with Marie Osborne. Duties tonight, we'll talk about them coming up regarding the governor's State of the State address. Stay with us. Glad you're with us. Hope you're with us every day, Monday through Friday, at noon to 2. You can stream us live, too. Either listen to the old-fashioned way on 760 on the AM dial, stream us in your car, or on any of your listening devices. Uh, get WJR.com, Alexa, Google Home. Uh, you can get WJR. The WJR app is something you should have, and you should go to thegreatvoice.com for podcasts. You can hear our entire show at any time that you'd like to at thegreatvoice.com for podcasts. And uh, we'll miss you if you don't uh, join us one way or another, especially busy times like this today and tomorrow uh, in anticipation of the uh, governor's state of the state address. WJR will have it tonight. Uh, First off, starting this afternoon, Chris Renwick, JR Afternoon, is broadcasting from Lansing from 2 to 4 this afternoon, kind of a pregame show. And then the the big show begins with Marie Osborne anchoring coverage of the speech tonight. Marie, uh, good afternoon. What time do you uh, tee it up? We're going to start at 7 o'clock tonight. That's when the governor's speech is scheduled to start. And uh, we'll 
obviously have every bit of it. And uh, at the end, we'll get that Republican response. It's generally about five minutes or so for that. And then Guy and I will wrap things up for the evening. A wrap-up for the whole speech is, because as she points out, with the governor starting at 7, live on WJR, and then the now, uh, just happened the last several years, the response from the opposing party, in this case the GOP, and then Marie and Guy will uh, provide a wrap-up of everything that has happened, and then Guy will carry that over into JR Mornings uh, for tomorrow morning, and then we'll be there live with Focus from Lansing tomorrow, from the the Michigan AARP offices uh, from noon to 2. Again, to recap the state of the state, and we'll hear from uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has uh, promised to uh, be a part of our broadcast tomorrow as well. I'm sure you'll hear her a few times, uh, not uh, the least of which is 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, you have your ankles taped. Are you excited? Uh-huh. Are you ready to go? Well, you know, it's always interesting to get a recap on what um, she wants to talk about, what she thinks her priorities are for this coming year. Look, it's a presidential year, so um, it, it's just not a, a, a run-of-the-mill year, but she's going to start out at least laying the groundwork on what she would like to concentrate on for the year. And we already know. In fact, I, I read this in a in a not even one of our local papers, although it's on the it's on the front page of Detroit's uh, uh, of the Detroit News. Uh, but yesterday or the day before, I read in one of the national newspapers that she has a plan to offer a free community college for well, all. Absolutely. That's going to be on the agenda. There's also going to be um, some housing uh, issues on the agenda as well. So that's what you know, we're going to look for details on some of those things. Although, as you know, a lot of times... These speeches are really kind of short on the details. She'll be giving more information on that tomorrow, obviously, with interviews like yours, that we're going to hear the details on some of those things. Well, we'll hope to hear that. We'll hope to hear well, the details. Well, we can hope. Yeah. Yeah, but the reality is, and, uh, you know, I heard people talking about this earlier, um, is she going to tell everyone how bad everything is? No, that's not what any state of the union or state of the state addresses. Look, Jimmy Carter told us all how bad things were, and that didn't work out so well for him or for the country. You tell a positive story, and then you work toward that positive story, and that's certainly what the governor's going to do tonight with uh, a free preschool, free community college, free this, free that, and then uh, then there'll be the devil in the details uh, in terms of how we pay for all that. Right, and the then, pesky then she details. Says, yeah, and, and and she'll say, well, you know, my budget address is coming up after such and such a time, yeah. and then we'll talk about how we're going to pay for that. But, I mean, we we know how this works, and if, if frankly, if she or any governor stood up in front of us and told us everything's terrible, uh, we wouldn't like it so much, would we? Uh, absolutely not. So there you go. You're going to... Um, this is a, a, a uh, rah-rah speech, if you will. The State of the Unions are in the same way. Right. And it also cements the party, uh, the, the governing party's view of the future as well. So you'll see a lot of that. Now, I don't remember. Uh, do, you think, do you think that the, uh, the GOP response, the speech after the speech, has already been written and maybe even recorded? I think they know. Uh, I think they have that pretty much. Maybe this afternoon it'll be recorded. I definitely think that's done well ahead of time. 
Yeah, that's. I I just think that's odd. Or written well ahead of time. Yep. Yeah, and then maybe maybe some live, scratches. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. All right. Are you uh, are you excited? Of course you're excited. This is what you do, and you've done it well for years. We always are. It's like our turn up at bat, so we do like to talk about that, and we like to do it. It's always good to be live, and especially with these important events that are unfolding at, at that time. At, a, at an especially important yes. time, because it's always an important time. Right. And so, uh, it, I mean, these are uh, the times, and we're right smack dab in the middle of them, and uh, people who think they can't do anything about it, that's not true. Your vote counts when it comes time to vote again. Remember all these things. People have short memories. If they agree, they go with the person. If they disagree, they go against the person, whatever it might be. But you do have to participate. And it begins this afternoon from 2 to 4 here on News Talk 760 WJR with JR Afternoon and Chris Renwick. And then you, Marie, uh, up at bat right at 7, which we'll start the coverage, the anchored coverage of... The Governor's State of the State Address tonight, 7 o'clock on WJR. After the Governor's speech, there's the other speech, the, in this case, GOP response. And then Marie will welcome Guy Gordon to join her, and the two of you will provide, uh, from your vantage points, a wrap-up uh, of both speeches. And then uh, it continues tomorrow morning, JR Mornings. Uh, we'll have uh, more on the on the speech, and of course, we will as well in focus from noon to two, live from the AARP Lansing offices for our recap of the state of the state and a uh, call in from uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. So we we've got a full a full board uh, set. Uh, people aren't going to miss a thing if they're tuned into WJR starting this afternoon. That is absolutely right. Um, and again, we love bringing these live broadcasts to you because this is where the real news is made. I mean, a lot of people might disagree that this is going to be just a political speech, but it is a glimpse into what we can expect in the coming year in terms of priorities for the governor, for the legislature, and certainly in this very important presidential election year. How much of any of this or all of this do you look at, uh, not through a filter, uh, with eyes that realize there are people who keep talking about uh, our governor in a higher political office. Oh, you cannot ignore that. You absolutely cannot ignore uh, that important uh, factor that is out there, that story that is kind of underlining so many themes this year. I mean, there's so many concerns about the presidential election in terms of Joe Biden and where he, you know, what his exactly plan is coming up. Is Gretchen Whitmer going to play a role in what's ahead for the Democratic Party? We can't see this tonight without seeing that as well. Well put, Marie. Break a leg, as they say, in show business. I know this is news business, but you know what I mean. Will do. All right, Marie, thanks very much. 7 o'clock tonight, the speech live and anchored by Marie Osborne here. And then the, the GOP response and then... Of course, uh, Marie and Guy providing a wrap-up of the speech uh, tonight. But it all begins here on WJR in just a few minutes uh, when uh, Chris Renwick, JR Afternoons, will be broadcasting live from Lansing from 2 to 4. So stay with us here. Paul W. Smith in focus on WJR. All righty. We keep track of all kinds of good things that are happening, and uh, the obvious ones 
the ones we're in the midst of right now, we've got uh, the governor's state of the state. We've got our Lions uh, with two more games. The uh, most important one is the next one, of course, uh, against uh, San Francisco, and, and we're all on top of that as well. But there's some other great things happening in and around our area, and uh, we talked about this. We actually talked about this from Annie and Willie's porch in Frankenmuth when we had the auto show. We, we gave a heads up. Uh, of this fabulous Memorial Cup. And the Memorial Cup is coming to Saginaw a Sunday, May 24th to Sunday, June 2nd, the National Championship of the Canadian Hockey League. It's one of the most coveted trophies in all of hockey. And an American city hasn't hosted the Memorial Cup since Spokane held the honor in 1998 which is where the Portland Winterhawks won their second and most recent Memorial Cup. Here to tell us all about this upcoming incredible extravaganza in Saginaw, the Memorial Cup and presented by Dow, is Craig Goslin, president and managing partner of the Saginaw Spirit. Craig, nice to talk with you again. Yeah, yeah good afternoon, Paul. We're excited. Well, we're excited too, but for our listeners who need a reminder, I mean, the birthplace of hockey, for goodness sakes, uh, tell us what we're in for, Craig, because uh, people, a lot of people don't remember. Well, Paul, just to give you your listeners a bit of a snapshot of the Canadian Hockey League, uh, on the opening rosters of this year's NHL teams, uh, 53% of the players came out of the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, so it is the premier development league uh, to the NHL, uh, and, uh, and, and including uh, 12 of the current Red Wings, by the way. Uh, so when you look at, at the development uh, pattern and program for, for players, this is one of the, one of the top ones. And the Memorial Cup is our championship of our league. It's really the final four of, uh, of Major Junior Hockey. So there's three leagues. There's the Western Hockey League, the Quebec Major Junior, and the Ontario Hockey League. Those three champions uh, play uh, uh, with the host team, uh, so it makes four teams, in an eight-game round-robin event uh, that, uh, for, for the national championship, which is the Memorial Cup. So it's, a, it's an incredible event. It's amazing that we were able to win the bid uh, to host it here in Saginaw. And our community is, is, is thrilled to be hosting it. And the city of Frankenmuth is doing an incredible job uh, inviting, uh, you, know, uh, you know, sports fans from all over the, the, the North America to come visit and, and stay here. And, and there's lots of stuff. There's an awful lot going on. You go to the uh, Go Great Lakes and, and you can get more information in Memorial Cup and all, and all of that. But God bless Jim Fitterling once again stepping up. It's, it's the Memorial Cup Saginaw 2024 presented by Dow, and that wouldn't be happening without Jim Fitterling, I can tell you that, in the Dow Event Center. But there's so many things in store, daily concerts, uh, headliner Saturday, June 1st, a daily fan fest for kids and adults, a golf tournament, Spirit of the Community Speaker Series, the Hockey Hall of Fame, the Food Truck Alley, Youth Ball Hockey Tournament, Youth Skills Development, Girl Skills Development, a variety of community-supported events and celebrations welcoming the guests, and... Uh, this is a very big deal, and I know that people like yourself, Craig Goslin, and people in the know uh, are very excited about the fact that your Saginaw spirit uh, will be hosting and be one of the four teams competing in an eight-game round-robin tournament featuring the champions of the Western Hockey League, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and the Ontario Hockey Leagues. And that this is this is the Canadian Hockey League. This is it. Well, and Paul, you mentioned Dow, uh, Jim Fitterling, and the group. Uh, there's been three title sponsors of the Memorial Cup since 1919. Really, he started mid-'70s when t- advertising came into hockey. 
Uh, so we had MasterCard, we had Kia, and now Dow. Dow has stepped up through the title sponsor of the World Cup. And, uh, yeah, it is a uh, massive effort by uh, – uh, we have over 500 volunteers that, are, that have stepped forward to uh, – uh, to help us with the event, but it uh, it does. Even if you don't go to the games themselves, we're going to have the games on at the at the event park that's across the street from the Dallas Event Center. So the games will be on for folks to be able to see the games on wide screens in there. Uh, there's going to be uh, concerts, uh, fireworks shows. Uh, it, it, it's going to be an amazing family festive atmosphere uh, in and around the Dallas Event Center, May 23rd uh, through, through June the 2nd of this spring. So it's uh, we invite the uh, Metro. Uh, Detroit sports fans to put it on your calendars. Come stay overnight in our hotels here in our region. Frank Muth has put on an amazing show. Uh, uh, the Saginaw County hoteliers are all ready to, to, to uh, accept the guests up here and give them a, an experience of a lifetime. It's a once in a lifetime event, Paul. Uh, well, it is here in Saginaw. And, it's yeah. it's a once in a lifetime event being hosted here in Saginaw, the Memorial Cup, May twenty third to June second in Saginaw, and brought to you by, uh, presented by Dow Jim Fitterling and his team. God bless him. And the the fan fest and everything else. And let me ask you, Craig Goslin, who's president, managing partner of the Saginaw Spirit, how uh, how pumped are your teams? How pumped are your kids? Well, our players. Uh, we just had our trade deadline in our league on January the tenth, and we, there was two coveted players uh, that were up in the, uh, for trade throughout our league. All twenty teams wanted these two players, uh, Florian Donovan and, and Owen Beck. They both played on the Canadian World Junior Team. Uh, uh, Florian is, is drafted by the Ottawa Senators and Owen Beck by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we end up getting them both, all right, to add to the great roster that we've wow. got. We've won 20, 25 of our last 29 hockey games. Uh, so so the, the team, we, we have a championship caliber team on the ice. And, 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 Paul, that's one of the criteria to be able to host the Memorial Cup because the site selection committee, when you're putting your bid together, your team has to be able to compete against the three champions of the other leagues. So they looked at our team, what we had coming back. We also have an exceptional status player named Michael Misa. Uh, who is going to be, uh, you know, he, he potentially could be the next Connor Bedard if he continues to progress at the rate he's at now. So, uh, it, it, you know, he alone is worth coming up and see Michael Misa play. So, yeah, the kids are pumped up. The team is ready. And uh, certainly we're uh, we're ready to put on and host the best Memorial Cup uh, uh, that, that we can. Well, I know from speaking to Annie Rummel and the gogreat.com and all the people that have been getting ready for this for so long gave us a heads up, and we had it on the air a year ago, uh, because of the excitement level, I, I, I mentioned the gogreat.com. Uh, what, what other uh, ways can people go online and get more information about the 2024 Memorial Cup in Saginaw, presented by Dow? Yeah, Paul, yeah great question, Paul. Go to saginawspirit.com, and we have, a, we have an icon at the top for the Memorial Cup, uh, and you can just go on and click on there. It gives you all the information. It shows you how to get tickets. And we have two game packages that start at eighty nine dollars for 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 uh, for a two game package. The wow. full packages start at four hundred dollars for all eight games. It's very family affordable, and it makes for an incredible uh, uh, week. If you want to come up for two days, want to come up for the whole week, uh, we we would love to have you, and we welcome you up here. Uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame, by the way, Paul, they're bringing up their trophies from Toronto, uh, so so they're here, including the Stanley Cup. Uh, so, so I don't know what's going to be left in the Hall of Fame in Toronto because we're going to have all their trophies. But, it's uh, all going to be in Saginaw. Uh, right. It's all going to be in Saginaw. So it's a, it's it, even if you don't go to the hockey games, you're going to be able to come up here and have a tremendous amount of entertainment and excitement in and around the footprint of the Memorial Cup here at the Dallas Center. Saginawspirit.com. Uh, that's Saginawspirit.com. the Saginawspirit.com. That's the place to go. Get all the information you need. They've got so much planned. It is a family-friendly. Uh, event. There's a, a, a ball hockey tournament. Uh, there's a Memorial Cup merchandise tent, the Dow Event Center Theater, uh, the Dow Event Center Parking Garage, Temple Theater, Jolt Event Park, 
Bavarian Inn and Lodge, Food Truck Alley. It's the, the UA Local 85 Fan Fest. It's just going to be spectacular. Go to SaginawSpirit.com. We'll talk again, Craig. Thanks so much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. As we continue here and get ready now, you can stream us live as always. I hope you will. Stand by for news. And JR Afternoon with Chris Renwick live from Lansing in advance of the State of the State coverage. And 7 o'clock live on JR, Marie and uh, Guy after the GOP response. And then JR Mornings tomorrow and Focus broadcasting live from Lansing as well. Go on out, make it a great one. Regards, Paul W. Smith.